Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. It's time. It's time to have real, honest, open, difficult, and inspiring conversations. It's time for Love and Life on WURD, Progressive Black Talk Media. All right, family, let's get started. So we had a, a conversation um, a few weeks ago, actually, it was, and we, we talked about prostate cancer. We kind of, uh, we briefly touched on it, I will say. We didn't, we didn't, you know, dig too deeply into it. But uh, one of our family members reached out and said, Carol, I have a story that needs to be shared. Um, and when he reached out to me, I was so touched because so many of our black men are not as vocal about health at all, at all, at all. So it really, really spoke to me when he said, I want to share because I want to talk to our brothers. I want to talk to our family. And uh, I just want to open the conversation even wider and further so that we you know, can start doing what we need to do to stay healthy, to get healthy and to stay healthy. And I so, so, so appreciated him doing that. So in doing so, He's brought someone with him. Uh, and I'm going to let you, I'm going to let them tell you how they, that conversation happened and how they came together. But what I will share is that Muhammad Abdul Rahim is the one and only person that approached me and said, I have got to tell my story. Do you hear me? I've got to do so. He is a former law enforcement officer who served the citizens of Philadelphia for 41 years before retiring in 2016. During his tenure, he was a member of special elite units such as the stakeout SWAT units. I believe we're going to ask him about that. And he also worked the undercover plainclothes robbery detail. Um, so much that he has to share outside of that. Um, he brought with him Jeff Mason, who is a 39-year veteran of combined law enforcement and public safety. He started his career in law enforcement in 1985. Jeff also worked in several specialized units, inclusive of narcotics and highway patrol, and he eventually became a sergeant. Family, I invite you to the conversation with both Muhammad Abdul Rahim and Jeff Mason. Well, hello, gentlemen. Hello, hello, and welcome. Welcome, hello, welcome. Carl. Hello, Carl, everyone. Jeff? Hi, Carol. Hey. Muhammad, how are you? Okay, great. Good, good, good. Everybody had a chance to jump on board. Very important uh, information being shared tonight. How about that? First, let me say thank you to you, Muhammad, because you reached out to me. And like I was saying, I so appreciate that because so many of our men don't talk about health. We don't, we listen, there are a lot of women that don't talk about it, but there are so many more, more men that I know that don't talk about health at all so when you reached out to me it was uh, it just meant so much um that you were willing to be transparent and uh and share and helpful because that spoke to me too when you said look i want to help somebody you know i know that my story can help somebody and that meant so much to me um and then jeff you reached out to me too and, th and then you two told me yeah oh yeah oh yeah 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 we've been talking so what i would like first is for you individually to just tell our family members a little more about you individually. Muhammad, go ahead. Go ahead, Jeff. Okay. <laughs> so, um, 
like Carol was saying, I'm a 39-year veteran of combined law enforcement and public safety. Um, and I did start in 1985 under a consent decree, which um, was enacted and uh, federal, a federal uh, jury awarded the Guardian Civic League who uh, championed for that to uh, get more minority police officers to represent the community that has served. And uh, I joined and haven't looked back since because uh, it was the best experience that I could have had. Um, Pretty much I was in my 20s and I pretty much grew up in the department and uh, had a lot of mentors, uh, Muhammad being one. Um, oh, my God. Back then, it was uh, different presidents of the Guardian Civic League. You had different commanders. You had uh, the first black uh, police chief, um, Willie Williams, um, uh, who uh, I cherish his, his mentorship as well. And other commanders after that uh, minority commanders. Um, but since then, um, I retired mm -hmm. after going 22 years in Philadelphia Police Department. Then I moved to Miami, uh, Miami to work in Miami Gardens Police Department and did another, let me see, from 2007 to 2014. And uh, you mentioned Trayvon Martin's uh, uh, story. Uh, mm -hmm. So part of my sector was uh, covering the church that he and his mother attended, which is Antioch Missionary uh, church, church in Miami Gardens. So oh, wow. during the release of one service one Sunday, uh, I'm watching the people come out after the church, and I hear what I later learned to be was Trayvon's mom saying, Trayvon, get back here, mm -hmm. right? And then mm -hmm. a few years later, this tragic thing happened to him. So, you know, um, it was quite, quite, um, alarming to me, you know, to have ran into, um, my video went out again, my, 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 my um, experiences, uh, in, in, in meeting him and just witnessing him prior to his, uh, demise, you know, it was, uh, very, uh, wow. <laughs> very heart wrenching, you know, um, but, I left Miami Garden in 2014 and became a uh, part of security and public safety at one of the local colleges in Florida and then moved 2019 to Atlanta, Georgia, and okay. uh, where I met my beautiful wife. And uh, we've been married since 2022. And uh, we just celebrated our anniversary last December. Um, while I was in Florida, I earned a master's degree in, in um, leadership. Because I believe in learning the best practices of um, if you specialize in a certain field, mm -hmm. you should get education to 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 complement your experience. So that way you can uh, inspire others to do to be their best self. Sure. Um, so I'm very, um, very fond of leadership principles, very fond of people reaching back and bringing people up to the, to the level of where they're supposed to be. In, in life, um, mm -hmm. and in, that's where leadership is important. Uh, I'm also a, a proud member of Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity. I'm also a Prince mm -hmm. Austrian Dr. Mason. And in my spare time, I find enjoyment in mentoring, working out, and maintaining a healthy lifestyle. And here we are with uh, the prostate <laughs> cancer uh, uh, it series. Go ahead, Mohammed. Yeah, my name is Mohammed Abdurrahim. I thank everyone for coming on. So like Jeff, I started out my police career when I was 20 years of age. 
And um, I became a police officer for this reason. I faced racism. I'm from South Philadelphia, mm-hmm. like Carl. I know Carl's relatives who are in law enforcement. And I played uh, a ball with her, her, her relative, Charlie uh, Riddick, and another relative, uh, Lawrence Riddick. So I know many Riddicks. So this is me coming on is also addressed for them, also to their my friends, to my, they're my family. So uh, I went to the, uh, I'm sorry, I, uh, I faced racism in South Philadelphia. And I'm going to give you a quick story. And in South Philly, there's many gangs that I was coming up. Wait, wait, wait. You know what? I want to, I don't want to interrupt this story. And I'm looking at the time. We're going to take a short commercial break. I want you to say this story without interruption. I got so, you. Got so you. Uh, give me one moment. Family, hi there. Welcome. Uh, if you have just joined us, you are tuned in to Love and Life with Carol Riddick right here on WURD. Um, we are digging deep tonight and we're having a very open and honest conversation tonight. Um, At this moment, what we're going to do is take just a short commercial break. Know that the phone lines are open and feel free to continue to comment on our socials. Stay with us, though, because we will be right back. You're listening to Love and Life on WURD, progressive black talk media. Hey there, family. Welcome back. You are tuned in to Love and Life with Carol Riddick right here on WURD. We are talking tonight with Muhammad Abdur Rahim and with Jeff Mason. Um, we came together tonight just to have a, a vulnerable, unapologetic, honest conversation tonight. And before the break, I did interrupt Muhammad because I told him once he starts his story, I don't want to interrupt him when he starts it. So I wanted to get the commercial out of the way. I do want to share that Drina is checking in. She's watching from the sweetest sides of Detroit, Michigan. She shares Um, Diane Hamilton Mitchell shares greetings um, and she is sharing love. Willie is joining us as well. Hi, my love. Viola. Hi, Miss Viola. Our beloved is joining us as well. And Jesse. Jesse Lane Powell, hi, beautiful. She shares powerful show, informative and transparent. I so love that. Thank you so, so, so much. Um, Eric, I see that you have made a comment. Eric shares, good evening, gentlemen. Thank you for your dedicated service and welcome to the Word platform. Uh, who or what actually motivated you both to get into your line of work at the young age of 20? Eric, I'm going to hold your question because I do want Muhammad to share the story that he started before the commercial break, Muhammad. So what do you want me to pick up to tell my story? Yes, please. Okay. The story about my health, correct? Yes, please. Okay. Okay. Well, so, well, no, no, no. You started the story before the commercial break. You experienced racism. Is that? Oh, yes. I, I became a police officer because what happens is that this is a true story. I grew up in South Philadelphia. It was many uh, gangs, 10 blocks this way, 10 blocks that way. So as a 13-year-old kid, I used to walk to 19th and Pine, Pine Street Pizza, get a piece of pizza and go to uh, Rittenhouse Square on the bench by myself and eat a piece of pizza. It was there that I faced racism the first time from a police officer. Um, is that well, uh, a, a uniformed police officer with a B-cop at Rittenhouse Square asked me what I was doing. I said, I mean, a piece of pizza, officer. He says to me, out the park, your kind isn't allowed here. Mm. Kick me out the park. That's very devastating, and I never forgot that. Mm. The second thing is, uh, in a particular area in South Philadelphia where I lived, near the uh, South Street Bridge, from 26th South, all the way up to uh, 
23rd Street down Graceway Avenue to Christian, Christian down to School Kill, School Kill to the bridge. It was called the pocket. Anything of color moving through there, he's going to get jumped. And it wasn't fair. We were coming back from an ABNB All-Star game over the South Street Bridge. Me and my friends, you walking over the bridge. So coming back east off the bridge and grown men coming out of the car with a baseball bat, tiring arms, calling us the N-word. So oh. we so we, we couldn't fight against that. So I heard, the first time I heard a gunshot in my life, I ran east on South Street to 23rd and South out of breath. And I said, officer, officer, officer. I said, someone's shooting at us. This guy looked at me. You have, this happened to be Caucasian. And he says, he turned red in the face. He says, you no good. And he smacked me mm-hmm. in my mouth, locked me and all my friends up who were good kids playing basketball. And and back in the day, they had a paddy wagon. You look at the back. And the guys who attacked us, they took them home. They knew them. They that, that stuck with me. So I said to myself, I, I used to hate police first. And then I became mm-hmm. wiser. I said, you know what? I want to become a police officer and be better. I want to... You know, treat people the way I want somebody to treat my family member. That is why I became a police officer. Wow. So, to affect change. Yes. And and what happens is that when I became a police officer, uh, Afro-Americans couldn't work together. Remember that, Jeff? We couldn't work together in, in the, when we first started 20 years old. You could not Wait, work what, together. What do you mean, could not work together? They you, they were not. If me and, and, if me and uh, Jeff were in the 18th district, they would not put me and Jeff together working together. That's Why? a fact. What, what, what it was a lot of racism going back then, Carol. Right back, going back, going back in 1974. Yes. 74. We started when we were 20. We, we, we were kids, you know. So anyway, so from there, I became a police officer at 18th District. And from there, I went to stakeout with SWAT. And I did the uh, undercover robbery detail stakeout with mm-hmm. uh, the bank details. Uh, my partner played a granny, old man, uh, insurance person. He go to neighborhoods, get robbed where they were doing computer printouts of maybe 20 people getting robbed between six and two. I was just back up along with two other partners and he would put his life on line to get robbed. And we would arrest the perpetrators and we used no radios, no hand signals, eyesight. And, and we did that at banks and also taxi cab details. They were shooting cab drivers. We did that. And then from there, I moved from stakeout. I went to police athletic league. And it was there that was very rewarding where I was on the other side of prevention of working with youth between 10 and 18. So I worked in two different PAL centers. One was Crumish PAL, Watson, Susquehanna, and North Penn PAL at 27th and Haggard. I did that there for eight years. From there, I left um, and went to the, um, uh, uh, let me see, did I go for the pistol range here? Yeah, I went to the pistol range as an instructor. I'm with firearms training unit as a police firearms instructor where I taught police officers and recruits to safe use handling of fire and various firearms. And then on there, I was on a combat pistol team where I learned my skill, crafted it, and I shot with the best shooters in the country. I was on the uh, uh, combat pistol team. I used to shoot in the Secret Service matches in Beltsville, Maryland, Jackson, Mississippi, National Championships. And I was on the governor's top 20 shooters in the state of Pennsylvania oh, wow. uh, for four years. I competed. I'm not bragging. I'm just using an example of where no. I learned. I learned from the best shooters. So after that, when I left... Um, the range, I went, uh, uh, a person that I knew, he was the lieutenant commanding officer of ballistics, fire identification unit. And we mm-hmm. wanted a pistol team together. He was lieutenant. He said, Muhammad, I got a spot for you. I thought he was joking. And then I went into fire identification unit as a ballistics mm-hmm. training program, matching bullets and fire caution cases, the guns and crimes. I did that for eight years. Oh, and God. from there, I went as a, uh, uh, a security uh, bodyguard, a security guy for Mayor John Street. I was in security for eight years out of City Hall with him and his family. 
anywhere him and his family traveled, anywhere in the country. I was with him and his family, protected them for eight years. And after that, I went to organized crime or homeland security counterterrorism. I did that for a few years. And I was on a major incident response team dealing with biological, chemical and, and uh, uh, terroristic things and also hostage negotiations, stuff like that. And after that, I went to airport police unit. Uh, and I did that until I finished my career. And I want to say is that that through all those places that I've been, there have been men who have had prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. Now, here's my story. I, I, I want to know how you two met, how you two came together first. Yep. How, how did you yep. two come yeah, together? I can, yep. I can hear. Yeah, I can tell. Yep. Um, so when I came on in 85, Muhammad was in at the the range, which is okay. uh, the firearms uh, training range up at the police academy up on State Road. And uh, you see how he looks now. He looks very intimidating right now, right? So, Oh, my God. Sorry, Carol. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so as a recruit, you know, you're like, you're looking around, you have, you know, you're new with firearms and, uh, well, I hope you're new with firearms, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you have mostly Caucasian trainers there and you have this one particular individual, Muhammad, right? And he's very quiet. His demeanor is very, very, very intimidating. So while I'm shooting my weapon and we had revolvers back then, we had six shooters, right? Smith and Wesson. So he's watching me, right? He comes over to me and he whispers in my ear very kindly and gently and says, listen, concentrate on that front sight. The target should be blurry. Look through the rear sight, concentrate and squeeze. The 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 the, the uh, gunshot should be a surprise to you. Mm. I improved my shooting just then, you know. So the words of a of a gentle giant is what I call him. You know what I mean? Because like I said, you know, you think he's coming over to either yell at you because most of the trainers <laughs> would yell at you, and then you you become worse. You know, uh, can you like because the best advice to give is in a calm manner, and that's what that's what Muhammad did. That's how we met, and ever since then, different occasions we would run into each other. But I had a lot of respect for him then. You know, I mean, never Mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. cover. You know, about how they look. Number one, about that. How about and number two is to um, always, always take good advice from people who know what they're doing. And he mm. exactly what he was doing. But that's how we first met. He didn't know that. This is the first time he was hearing that. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. First I'm time. I'm sure other officers, if they're listening or not, would, could relate to what I'm talking about with Muhammad. Okay. Well, what I want to do, thank you for that, Jeff. Um, before we begin to talk, before you share your stories with prostate cancer. I do want to go back to Eric's question. He asked who or actually what motivated you both to get into your line of work um, at such a young age. Go ahead, Mama. I think I answered already. Reference he to did. The, he the did. racism in my face. Go ahead, Jeff. The right. racism right. my face. So for me, I was actually um, uh, at Temple University, as a matter of fact. Um, still living at home at you know, with mom, you know, I'm not ashamed of that, but I already been in, in the military. I was in the Navy, mm-hmm. did three years active, and I was in reserves after that. And my uh, position in the Navy was a hospital corpsman. So I always 
got into a service-related industry because I, I, I believe in helping people. That's how we are blessed. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I played as a fraternity and my mom wasn't really set on, on continuing college at all. You know, okay. so my mom knew that. Mothers know their children. So I um, there was a hiring wave in 1983 or two. And it took a while because the Guardian Civic League um, hosted this uh, hiring wave mm-hmm. uh, to get more minorities into the police department, right? I took the test, and because I was a veteran, I got 10 points veterans preference, right? So I scored kind of high. So the first notice I got to take to um, to um, to enter the police academy, I threw it away. Oh, wow. Right? Because... Okay. Okay, I do want to be a cop, but then again, I don't want to be a cop, right? So right, right. the second notice, my mom filled it out for me and sent it in. <laughs> me and I wow. went to, <laughs> to, uh, to start training in uh, June 24th, 1985. Everybody remembers their start date, right? So I was in class 264. And, um, you know, I met uh, a lot of good people, uh, especially from West Philly, Dave Van, um, Kears, yep. you know, guys that Ma- uh, Maurice um, Muhammad knows, um, and uh, Myron Patterson, we were all mm-hmm. in the class. Um, and I'm naming, naming people that have been very significant in my, uh, in my as well. Right. So I met all these people up in the academy and, um, you know, uh, but at that age in my twenties, I didn't know really know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to do something to help people. Okay. Um, I didn't have the experiences that Muhammad had as far as interactions with police officers, but um I witnessed a lot of uh injustices as a young mm-hmm. at a young age because mm-hmm. uh you know, um I always believe in fairness and treating people the way they should be treated, you know, no mm-hmm. matter what mm-hmm. they are. You know, because, you know, personally, I have friends. And when you're a police officer, you develop bonds that are strong with sure. other policemen. You were sharing that with me offline. You were sharing right. that with me. It is right. a family. So, when you become a police officer, you're a family. So, so what you were sharing with us, and, and I'm sorry, because I'm, I'm looking at the time and we're going to go to commercial break in just a moment or so. But I want to make sure I have the understanding the, thus far of what you were sharing. So it was at the... The, the nudge of your mother. Yes. Um, it, it, initially, it was yes. at the nudge of your mother, but at the at the root of it all, it's because of your dedication to service. That part. Okay. That's okay. Right. I wanted to make sure yep. I had it, you, you know, had it right, and I was, you know, getting it together. I'd want to share a family. We're going to go to commercial break in a moment, not just yet, but um, when we come back from commercial break, we're going to get into these incredible stories of these gentlemen and what has taken place before we go to commercial break, though, I do want to share that our beloved uh, Rosalind. Hi there, Miss Rosalind. She's sending love to everybody and we receive it and we send it right back to you. She's sending us our flowers as well. Um, Gary Bryant is checking in. Hey, Gary, brother Gary. He's sending peace and blessings to everybody. And Joanne, Joanne Thomas shares. Wow. I came on the job in 1987 in the 16th district. She shares, Muhammad, I remember you. And mm-hmm. hey, Jeff, I hope all mm-hmm. is 
Well, um, Joanne shares, we sure did. I had a 357. <laughs> Magnum, right? <laughs> I know that's right. I know that's right. Um, Ms. Our beloved Ms. Rosalind shares, I came up with the 17th and 18th police district, 17th mm-hmm. and Montgomery in 1974. And she shared they were very prejudiced. And we, we knew all the officers in our community. Um, our beloved Ms. Lily is joining us as well and is sharing love, sharing love. And Gary follows up by sharing that racism is real and it still exists in this town. He shares that we live in the city of Philatucky, located in the state of Pennsylvania. Let me tell you, I'm going to put that in my pocket. Okay. I'm going to put that in my pocket. Um, Malcolm, he shares that he almost joined the police force back in 1987. He took the exam, he passed it and he got called for, for the physiological exam. He passed it and when he got called up for a uh, SEPTA, he's glad that he did that because he dealt with enough racism in the military. And then they, you shared that with us. Yeah, I remember you sharing that. Harry is joining us. Hello there. And uh, Malcolm shares that he's anxious to hear your stories because he's currently dealing with the early signs of prostate cancer. So we're looking forward to that conversation. Harry, thank you for the com- the, com- the uh, compliment. I was about the conversation. The compliment Ms. Rosalind shares Mother knows best, Jeff, (laughs) from that nudge from your mother. Um, And Eric shares a thank you for sharing your truths. Thank you. Many people of several races cannot actually believe these atrocious scenarios actually happen. You can't believe it. Harold is joining us. Hi there, Harold. Hi there. Great to have you. And the beloved Joanne Dorman is joining us as well. Family, we are going to commercial break. But when we come back... We're digging even deeper, okay? So stay with us because we'll be right back. You're listening to Love and Life with Carol Riddick on WURD, Progressive Black Talk Media. Well, hey there, family. Welcome back. You are tuned in to Love and Life with Carol Riddick right here on WURD, Progressive Black Talk Media, on air and online at wordradio.com. We are talking with Muhammad Abdur Rahim and Jeff Mason. And tonight's episode is, is dedicated to the conversation about prostate cancer. I'm going to ask you, Muhammad, if you wouldn't mind sharing your story with us first, and then yes. Jeff, if you wouldn't mind following. Yes, my, my pleasure. I just want to start off with uh, st- stating that Afro-American men have the highest incidence of prostate cancer and reoccurrence in the world. In the world. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I'm coming on tonight is because we take this lightly. As men coming up, especially black men coming in the community, we're taught from a very young age, man up, don't don't get your emotions, don't cry, don't say nothing. This is the biggest hindrance to us sharing information. So what I'm going to tell you this story is going to shock you. So here, here we go. How about this story? How about 12 members of my family were diagnosed with prostate cancer? How about nine members of my family died of prostate cancer? How about me, my brother, and my father, and my father's youngest brother, only one still alive, on his side of the family, even though I have family members on the other side. I'm a Montague. We have a big family. So I have a lot of men, cousins on the other side. But here's what happens with men. You know, most, most of the time, men go to the doctor when there's an issue. Unlike women, when they have menses from a very young age, they're talking mm-hmm. by their mothers, grandmothers, aunts to take care of their health, and they share and they talk amongst each other. Men don't do that. 
we we taught the man up. I'm coming tonight to tell you have to share because sharing is caring. And by you sharing your story, you're going to help someone else who's going through it. When I was diagnosed with prostate cancer, I was all alone. So give you an example. If you have one member in your family that has prostate cancer, you have to get yourself checked because there's a likelihood that you other members of the family may have it. So I was going, because I had 12 members all together, right? Mm-hmm. My uncle was diagnosed later and my brother was diagnosed later, but right now it was 12. So I have a, a, a large family uh, thing of prostate cancer in the family. So I was going every six months to get checked from Fox Chase Cancer Center. Now here's what men don't do. Now what's a urologist work? I'm sorry, urologist. So here's what most African-American men do. They get a PSA, protein-specific antigen blood test, mm-hmm. and then that's it. You need both. You need the protein-specific antigen PSA test and the digital rectal exam where doctor takes a latex finger, he sticks it in your rectum and feels for the prostate. Mm-hmm. When you're 20 years old, your prostate is like a little walnut, and the older you get, it gets larger. So what happens is that most males, if you live long enough, you're going to have a problem with your prostate. It don't mean cancer. It's going mm-hmm. to be enlarged, inflamed, a benign tumor, or cancerous tumor. And I'm going to tell you this. Men, we all let our egos get in the way. And this is what happens. So now, I told you I have a family history. So now, I was going every six months. So when I had my first baseline, I was 0.4. I supposed to go back six months later? No, I get cocky. I'm all right. I go back 12 months later, and even, and they, oh, let me start with saying this. If your numbers are four or above, there's an issue with the prostate. Don't mean mm-hmm. cancer. There's mm-hmm. an issue. So, so now, let's get back to, I was a 1.2. Way below the radar. But my doctor, the urologist, says, Muhammad, uh, he also did the digital rectal exam. He said, doesn't feel much. Everything feels fine. But because your numbers tripled, let me give you a biopsy. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm at, at the time, I was, uh, I was on Mayor Street security detail. So I happened to call uh, the urologist and my, and my doctor. He wasn't there. But guess how I found out? One of his nurses said, oh, you got prostate cancer. Over the phone, over the phone, at work, they even called me in. So this is a true story. That's what happened. That's unprofessionalism, right? What? So, yeah, that's what happened to me. So anyway, so I was devastated because you automatically think you're going to die. And then you got to do your own research. What happened, they gave me a bone scan, CAT scan, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. determine whether did the prostate, did the cancer get outside of the body. So here's what happens. Um, they gave me a bone scan, CAT scan. So fortunately, and then lymph nodes, I was a candidate for radiation or the operation. Now, take you back a, se- a second. A lot of Afro men, Afro-American men back in the day, they were radiated down below the belt and it killed mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. So here's what happens. So a lot of men, if they married a girl or whatever, they couldn't have a sexual relationship with their significant other. Mm-hmm. They would have incontinence. So men, thinking like men, they'd rather have a relationship than to have that situation. But they didn't know prostate cancer feeds off the male sex hormone testosterone. It feeds off of that. They didn't know this a lot. And then, of course, men don't share. They don't talk. So everybody right. put their own individual battles. Wait, so, I have a question for you. Mohammed. Yeah. Well, if you. So at what age were you aware that there was a history of prostate cancer in your in your family? When I had my issue in 2005. Well, well, let me see. Hold a second. Uh, no, because my two uncles... I had two uncles that had uh, 
two uncles that had they were terminally uh, Ill, uh, terminal uh, prostate cancer, and they had to castrate them chemically because as I said, yeah, because the cancer feeds off the the sex right. hormone testosterone. So right. in order to stop it from growing, they have to kill it. So they had to castrate mm-hmm. them so it wouldn't it wouldn't spread. So what happens is that prostate cancer is just, it's, just, it's supposed to be they say it's a small it's the slowest growing cancer if you catch it early. Early detection is the key. Right. But when my uncles went, because it also has to do with social economic issues, where they might not have uh, insurance, they might have the mm-hmm. money to get mm-hmm. the best doctor. Mm-hmm. So they mm-hmm. suffer, so they suffer that, you know. So the thing about it, when it goes outside of the capsule, it be it goes to the bones and it goes to the organs. So I used to visit my two uncles in hospice when the nurses would turn them over because uh, you know keep them having bed sores. Their bones would be breaking. It's very painful experience to see them suffer like that. So as I said, I had twelve members. You know, my grandfather had it, two uncles. I have a father and son who my cousins both died from prostate cancer. Oh so now I'm gonna tell you another story. So now. So then here's what happened. So now I became a candidate for the operation or, or, or the radiation. So okay. I went to Foster Cancer Center. Each one has his own, you have an option. They, they don't tell you what to do unless they tell you you're going to die, you need chemo. So I listened to one doctor with the with the radiation. And now the uh, in 2005, they have the 3D IMRT, where you go to seven and a half weeks and they pinpoint the uh, a laser-like radiation to the prostate gland. The, for me, the thing was you have on the prostate bed, right and left side, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they when when they hit you, you still your PSA level still won't be high. So what happens when I was diagnosed? For example, I was diagnosed, right? I, I was diagnosed. Um, At I what chose, age were you when you were diagnosed? I'm sorry. At what age? Two, were you? 2005. I'm I'm 70 right now. Okay. I'm 70 right now. So it was in 2005. So I'm 19 years. You know, they, they say undetectable. You never say cancer-free. Undetectable. Long as below 0.1, undetectable. They give you five-year survival rates, and they say I should be good, but creators only want to know that. So anyway, I'm just thankful for every day. So when I was diagnosed, and then I went to Fox Chase Cancer Center, and I went to there, and uh, I saw the best doctor at the time, Dr. Uh, Richard uh, Greenberg. He was the top oncologist, chief oncologist, he did 35 years of nothing but prostate cancer. So when I went there, I didn't like his bedside manner. And of course, mm-hmm. men got our egos getting away. I said, I ain't going to him. I got home and said, Muhammad, put your ego aside. He's the best qualified, the best decision I made. So mm-hmm. I went back to him and he operated on me. So when he operated on me. What he did was when he took, took it out, they tested. I think Indian Inc. and something else for like 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And they already tested my lymph nodes. So I was okay. So when they, listen to this, Carol. So when they tested me for the stage of a stage two cancer with a normal reading. You understand what I'm saying? Wow. You know what I'm saying? How is you know that even possible? How is that no, possible? It's, 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 it's possible. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you why. Because, okay, uh, I'm going to get to it in a second. So I had, so think about this. 0.4, way below the baseline. I mean, way below right. four. Right. 12 months later, 1.2, way below. All my neurologists say, good, Muhammad, you're good. Right. When I finally got tested, they gave me, when he gave me a biopsy, it came back cancer. They look at the cancer cells and they give it a number called the Gleason score that shows the aggressiveness. And it's two numbers. So mine's with a three and a three, which is a six, intermediate. So that means it's not coming outside the capsule. Now, when they operated, we took it out. They determined everything was contained, but you got billions of cells. So what mm-hmm. happens, Carol, is that what happens is that 
They give you five year survival increments. So give you an example. Say I'm good for five years or somebody's good for five years. And then all of a sudden they go get the PSA test and the PSA levels is high. That means only a prostate gland cancer cell can boost, can boost that. It went somewhere in the body, lay dormant to organ, uh, bladder or something like that. And then it comes back and fluid. Tell about prostate health. Okay. Oh Let me say this about prostate health. Wait, wait, so, wait, wait. I want to pause right there for one moment. That's, <laughs> Muhammad, listen, I know this is, this is, you know, this is your truth. This is your life. This is so much to digest and to process. I, mean, I ain't finished yet. I, no, I know. No, no, no. I know. I know. But we're <laughs> going to take, listen, oh my Lord, I'm listening to you. I'm still stuck. I'm still stuck on there being 12 men in your family that were diagnosed. Yeah. Yeah. Nine of whom are no longer with us. Yeah. Yes. And, and I mean, and you just share, oh. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm having a moment over here trying to digest the information that you're sharing. Um, oh. But I'm, I'm appreciative to it because I, I believe we should be we should we should be transparent. We need to know. We definitely need to know. It's time for us to take just a short commercial break, family. Mm, 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 mm. Jesus, thank you. First of all, I just want to say thank you again because everything that you are sharing. It's hitting me hard. It's hitting me hard. And I, I know it's hitting some of our uh, male family members harder. Um, so I'm, I'm thanking the both of you. Really, really. I mean, with but every you, but, you, but, you, but, but you know why, Carol? Because it's the women in our lives that get the men to go to the doctor. Men don't go. So you have a lot of relatives. So now you know the story. You'll be pushing your relatives to get checked. I That's sure will. You Listen, I sure will. Family, listen, it's time for us to take a short commercial break but um stay with us because we have so much more to talk about when we come back stay with us you're listening to love and life with carol riddick on wurd progressive black talk media Welcome back. Welcome to the top of the second hour of Love and Life with Carol Riddick right here on WURD. We are having, uh, like I shared earlier, an unapologetic conversation, um, an honest and open and quite honestly, um, a transparent conversation about prostate cancer. Um, I am going to defer to you gentlemen so that I don't talk too much with this hour that we have left. Muhammad, would you, if you wouldn't mind continuing sharing yes. with us? Yeah. So I was saying earlier about how uh, throughout my whole police career and every phase of my police career, there were men of color who had prostate cancer. Give you an example. Uh, I'm not going to name names, mm -hmm. but when I was on the marriage until for Mayor John Street, I was younger. It was a gentleman on it. He was a detective on the detail. So I started to keep everything to myself. I talked to the men, my brothers, my white and black brothers, and mm -hmm. told them they should get themselves checked. Out of that conversation, one of the males, Afro-American brothers, came to me and said, Muhammad, I have prostate cancer. I'm going to share at the end of, the, end of my talk about a book. I bought this book for him. I'm going to say it now. It's mm -hmm. called Doctor. I'm sorry. It's called How, Guide to Surviving Prostate Cancer. By Dr. Patrick Walsh, W-A-L-S-H. It's not just about prostate cancer. It's the best. Matter of fact, I have a book right here. It says, it says here, the ultimate book on the number one men's disease in the world should be in every man's house. 
I'm telling you, as a result of my family, what happened to my family, and when I tell you about my friends, people I personally know, every black male should have this book in their library. You read it, pass it on. It's going to help save somebody's life and gives you knowledge of what the prostate gland is. And I'll talk to you about that right now. So, for example, so now with the prostate gland, like I said, as we get older, it gets larger. When you start having prostate issues, it's like when you water your car or your lawn, it's supposed to be a full force of water, right? So what happens when you put a, a kink into the hose? A little bit of water comes out. That's what happens mm-hmm. when you have an, an enlargement, inflammation, benign tumor, or cancerous tumor. Sometimes a cancerous tumor is solid because it's in between the pelvis and your rectum, and it, it is solid. Like on my uncles, when they found out about it, it was full-blown because you had, they had no symptoms, right? So, right. so here's the thing about the prostate gland. The prostate is a Greek word meaning to protect it. So what it does when a man has a relationship and releases himself ejaculation, that that prostate gland cleans it out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're talking real facts here. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't mm-hmm. sure nothing, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When, when couples will have a relationship, when the man ejaculates, that's cleaning his system out. This is real. This is real rap. I, I can't sugarcoat it, right? I can't right, sugarcoat it. Right. It's real. So it's important that for couples, I'm, I'm, I'm just dealing right now. I'll just mention married couples. I'm not getting to anything else. Mm-hmm. But it's important for women to know that it's important, for example, for the man, for example, sometimes, you know, woman gets mad and like she denies you for like six months. That's not cool. Mm-hmm. That's not cool. It backs up into a system. That's not mm-hmm. cool at all. I'm talking about something because when it backs up, like you go to urinate and the urine backs up into your tube, that's how men get urinary tract infections, sure. right? So the same thing happens with the prostate gland. It has to be, has to be let out. It's called, it has to be let out. So another thing is- It has to be empty. Yes. And eating uh, 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 blueberries, watermelon, tomato paste, uh, tomato paste, I'm sorry, tomato paste, um, uh, you know, fiber eating good for us as mm-hmm, mm-hmm. people of color. I died while I'm getting out of diseases. And so people who are ve- vegan, the, 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 the benefit is in the earth. We know that as eating plant-based foods. That's the cure for a lot of things happening. But because of us, our diets, this is why we get the, so many right. different things. Like, like African-American men, women, they get uh, breast cancer, get a lot, cancer yeah. stuff like that. So men get prostate cancer and other things. So I have a question for you, though. Did you did you or uh, any of the, the men in your family have symptoms? If so, what kind of symptoms did you have? Well, for me, uh, I would frequent urination. So remember I said, Carol, how you go to lay down, you go to urinate and, and tri- trickles out a little bit. Come out. It's not full. It doesn't come out like a full force, mm-hmm. like a hose. Mm-hmm. It trickles. You lay back down. Half an hour, you back up constantly. The same thing happens to people with diabetes, right? Diabetes is the same thing. The blood sugar is high. You start urinating. You get the, get the sugar out of your system. So, so, and this book has all this information about what the prostate gland is, mm-hmm. the different tests, what the tests mean, benign tumors, uh, inflammation. It's all in this okay. book from Dr. Patrick Walsh. So, so I'm going to say this here. So what happens is that, now listen to this. Uh, I shared the story with a gentleman. I put him in this book. Talk to him and his wife. Here's, what I, here's the best advice I gave him. If a person has any kind of cancer, I'm just talking about prostate cancer, you mm-hmm. have to go to the best doctor, oncologist in that field if you have insurance. Some people have insurance, they have to do the best that they can. Mm-hmm. For those who have insurance, this is not nothing to play around with. You have to go to the very best and you have to ask the crucial questions. What's your what's your success rate? Like my friend who I was in marriage, he's an Afro-American. He was younger than me, older than me at the time. 
Uh, I went to I didn't know Mason's score was PSA levels. That mm-hmm. was personal. Mm-hmm. But I, I went to him and gave him and his wife a copy of this book. I said, listen, I asked him a few questions. Who's your oncologist? What, and it happened right. to be a woman. Not because she's a woman, Carol. I said, what's her background? Right. Well, how many, how, how that's many important. Yeah, that's how with many every people? physician. Yes, but I don't want to, I, I have to make sure I clarify that because I don't want people to think that because I'm saying she's a woman, that mm-hmm. no, she, you know, I'm not saying that. I'm saying yeah, your, no. your, your, your credentials, right? What's the Absolutely. success rate? How many years she's been doing this? So she wasn't doing that much. So I said to him, man, I said, listen, I have to be upfront with you. I said, I'm not telling you to go to. The guy I go to has 35 years experience. But right. add, you have to go to somebody and you pick who you want. Anyway, Absolutely. we work together. Six months later, he told me uh, he had a different type of cancer because the prostate cancer spread, and he spread. died. He died the next month. The oh next my month. lord! So oh, listen, to this Carol. So here's a story. Of, here's a, I got everybody on a nail on a, on a, on a, on a, on the cliff now. Now I'm gonna let you off the cliff. Throughout me talking, me telling my story, I went on radio shows, talking mm-hmm. to men one on one, and every unit I worked when I found out I had cancer, 2005, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I Carol eight zero. 80 men I personally know have prostate cancer. Eight zero. Not eight mm. zero, not eight, eight zero. Mm. And the other day, a friend of mine, uh, we had been this together uh, on something and uh, I hadn't heard from him in a while. And I called him uh, and I said, man, what are you ducking a brother? He said, no, I have some health issues. And, I, and I'm not going to mention his name, but I found mm. out and he shared with me and he told me he had prostate cancer. And this mm. cancer is, is pretty it's, pre- it's pretty serious. It's but, okay. but the thing is, when a person has cancer, any kind of cancer, the thing is, they need a support system. They need right. a support system because even family, spouse, and members, they mean the best. But sometimes a person has cancer, they don't want to talk. They don't, yeah. They, 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 want, to, they, they want to stay alone, but you don't want to get depressed, but they need space. They'll talk Muhammad, I want to ask you a question. I'm Go so ahead. sorry. So, so sorry okay. to interject. Okay. I do also want Jeff to share his story, but. Um, I, I want to know about your your journey, your recovery journey. Like, how have you managed and maintained for as long as you have? Let me let me tell you something. It's only by the mercy of the Creator, Carol. And Absolutely. the thing about it, the whole thing is, when you diagnose with any kind of cancer, it gives you a, a, a better perspective on life. Mm-hmm. Things you think mm-hmm. that's important is not important. Family is important. Being kind and gentle. And the thing about it, the reason why I'm doing this really is because I firmly believe. That we're here to worship the Creator, to mm-hmm. worship the Creator, and serve humanity and doing good. Mm-hmm. So when you do good, it comes back to you. And it mm-hmm. says if you save a life, it's like you save all of I mankind. I believe that too. I so believe that too. But what did what expect? What exactly did you do during your recovery journey? What what was it that? Okay, um, okay. Here's what happens. I'll give you a real quick synopsis. So mm-hmm. here's what I want Jeff to tell his story too. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm gonna end it up real quick. So here's what happens. So what happens is that after I decided to get an operation. They say, example, someone to have people want to have children, right? What happens is that they make you uh, 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 put a sperm a sample and a, uh, a sperm sample, and they freeze it. So if you want to have children mm-hmm. for virtual mm-hmm. fertilization, because once sure. they cut the they cut the vas deferens and the bladder neck, right? You won't when you when you when you won't be able to have sperm produced when you when the when the male ejaculates. But mm-hmm. you, but the, here's the thing, and I learned this too: a male orgasm. It's mental. Mm-hmm. It's mental. So far as I'm just talking facts. It's mental. Well, it's wait, so I real- have a question, though, because I'm looking to listen, because, you know, this hour goes by so 
quickly. And I want you to continue to tell your story, but I also want to know about your recovery. But I'm going to put that on hold for one moment. No, no, no. I'm going to put that on hold really quickly because I want to allow Jeff the opportunity to share as well. I'm sorry, Jeff. No, no, no. Listen, Jeff, that's fine. fine. We're here talking. We are here talking. Absolutely. So I have a testimony. Um, I don't believe in accidents or coincidence. You know, God puts people and situations in your life for a reason. So, absolutely. You know the um, the connection that Muhammad and I had from work uh, spilled over into our retirements, and um, you know we happened to um, uh, both join another venture. And before we got into that venture, he told me a story about his prostate situation. Right. Okay. So, um, you know, I listened to it and it resonated with me because he was telling me some of the symptoms he was having, frequent urination, especially at night, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and uh, other symptoms and things that help trigger the prostate cancer um, growing, which is uh, stress, number one, Mm -hmm. right? Poor diet. Mm-hmm. As long as Muhammad has known me, you know, I pride myself on health and nutrition. You know, I'm a pescatarian and plant-based uh, diet person. You know, mm-hmm. I've always been into working out. Anybody who's known me knows that I like to work out and I like to be my best, me. So I'm very um, conscientious about my health. Um, when he mentioned to me his experiences and how he, you know, his family members had succumbed to prostate cancer and whatnot, you know, I said, okay, you know, it's time for me to really know what my numbers are. And okay. every man, you know, after you greet another brother, after you say hello or uh, how are you, what are your numbers? What are your high blood, what are your blood pressure numbers? What are your PSA numbers? If you have a high PSA, what's your, if you had a biopsy, what's your Gleason score? Okay. Which is mm-hmm, with, mm-hmm. with your prostate situation as well. So back in the fall of, no, I would say before I got engaged or right after I got engaged in 2022. Uh, and my biannual physical, because I go twice a year, every six months, right, to find out what my numbers are, mainly, mainly my blood pressure, because I do have high blood pressure, but it's controlled, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. diet, um, and my PSA, okay, and my A1C. I try to make sure, uh, you know, that uh, I don't have diabetes, you know, thank God. Um mm-hmm. But those are very important numbers that we should all, especially black men, be very conscientious of. So, went to the doctor in 2022. Uh, forgot what month it was. I think it was early in the year. Okay. Um, got some news um, that my, my PSA was kind of high. It was maybe 6.2. Okay, now, Ooh, okay. Muhammad said anything above four, right? You have to, uh, is of concern, yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. So, he suggested that I go to a uh, urologist, went to a urologist, um, uh, here in Atlanta, and uh, urologist says, Listen, okay, your PSA number is 6.2, 
I want to do a biopsy. So by all means, never had one before, but go for it. The worst pain, but that pain was worth it because he said maybe 0.3% of my prostate was cancerous. And he said, listen, I suggest that um, you go see an oncologist, which I did, saw the mm-hmm. oncologist. The oncologist looked at everything, looked at the results of the biopsy. She also looked at the um, my PSA numbers and my Gleason score, which was low, you know, but still it was concerning. Okay. So she said, um, okay, now we're going to give her some time. Now you have a choice, either to have radiation, have uh, uh, chemo, or um, prostatectomy. Well, I'm trying to keep all my body parts, right? So, <laughs> you know, okay. that's what you want to do is cut anything out of you that's supposed to be in there. Okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Adverse reactions that you may have, you know, they talk about that uh, when you go to see the uh, oncologist, you know. Right. There's also some adverse reactions for chemotherapy as well, you know, because um, even though it's targeted toward the cancer, Right. But, you know, you never know. Anything foreign to your body. Yeah. Concern. So um thank God. Uh she put me on a wait and see. Watch and see, which is a regimen where if your PSA drops, because I was on medicine uh for my prostate, um and over a certain amount of months, six months, I guess, I went back and got my numbers set. They drop. Oh wow! To within normal limits, but still, it doesn't get me out of the dark. You know, I mm-hmm. just have to keep monitoring. You know, and make sure that my PSA levels and the DRE, which is the latex finger, you know, um, to feel the stiffness or the firmness. Mm-hmm. The prostate is supposed to have. It's supposed to give a little bit. It shouldn't be mm-hmm, rock mm-hmm. hard. Rock right. hard. It's uh, it's kind of kind of a pass the point of no return. Go ahead, Carol. Jeff, during your wait and see uh, period, yes, ma'am. What what were you doing differently? Okay, well, reducing stress. uh, Okay. uh, Strengthen my support system. um, Talk to other men about the importance of uh, because. Well, no, I mean physically. What were you? I'm sorry. I meant like physically. What were you during this wait and see period? Did you do anything to? Did you do anything to that that helped your numbers to decrease? Yes, decrease. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, no. Let me tell you how real I know that to be because yes, we talk about it all the time in this space. Yes, we ma'am. talk about how and like how impactful stress is on our bodies. Yes, we ma'am. talk. Uh, listen, we talk about it all the time, right here. You know, every time we talk about any type of ailment, any type, anything. We always acknowledge and recognize, you know, just how big a part stress plays uh, in, in every part of our lives. I do want to interject. Um, prior to my PSA numbers going high, um, hormone therapy, I tried. I tried it because testosterone is something like Muhammad was saying. He's mm-hmm, on it, right? So um, I went to a wellness center, right? Because as we get older. You know, sometimes you become a lethargic. You don't have the energy that you used to sure, have. You sure. go. 
and you know things uh, suffer from that. So I was uh, introduced to TRT, which is testosterone replacement therapy, blah blah blah, right? And the same thing with women. You have estrogen replacement therapy as well. Well, mm-hmm. estrogen also feeds cancers in the women. You know, so there has to be a natural balance in our bodies. So what I do, I believe in supplementation. Um, I believe in getting a uh, proper diet. Supplementation such as uh, fish oils, uh, black seed oils, uh, sea moss. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Those things God put on earth, you know. So I believe that we can holistically uh, reduce those those mm-hmm. uh, cancers within our body as well. You know, I'm not I'm not here to advertise for any particular one, but you have to find. I would suggest people go to a um, herbologist or right. or something like that to find out what works for their body because everybody's different. So you know. With the implementation of uh, supplements, my diet, um, Mm -hmm, exercise, mm -hmm. you know, reducing that stress and just trying to live a holistic life. Yeah. I'm I'm curious to know, Muhammad, did you change your diet? Yes, I changed my diet somewhat, but I'll tell you what I found. I found that being active, being busy, relieves stress. Because in those quiet moments that you're by yourself Mm -hmm. and you have cancer, Mm -hmm. It gets mm-hmm. you become you start you may get depressed and you shouldn't be but you should enjoy your life doing things you love to do, you know. So mm-hmm. I really I, I you know I'm not to the extent that with Jeff with Jeff has always been that way. So I didn't do those things, but I ate a little better. But it wasn't like uh, I ate a little better, but okay. Uh, okay. I just relieved the stress. I am. I really want to know you know about your journey about. Uh, how you've maintained, how you've sustained, how you've managed to be in uh, uh, in the space in which you're in a healthy space in in which you are. Because I'm telling you, Ed, when you shared, and, and I have to keep repeating this because the number is so high and because it just, I mean, it's so shocking when you say that there were 12 men in your family, not 12 men that I know, 12 men that I met, 12 men that I heard of, 12 men with whom you share a bloodline. That yes. were diagnosed with prostate cancer, and you also shared that nine of them are no longer here. Yes. Um. You. I, I'm just. You know. I'm blown away by that fact alone. So, and I'm sure our family members want to know as well what you've been doing, how you've maintained, how you've been able to sustain. Um. But if we do have to go to a commercial break in just a moment, family, I do see that you are commenting, and um, I was making time for the fellas to share their stories tonight. So I just want to make you aware that I do see, because I always tell you that if I see your comments, I will do my best to share them, um, to read them aloud. But I was making time for the gentlemen to share their uh, the stories because I feel that this conversation is so important. It's so important. Um, we're going to take just a short commercial break, but stay with us because we are coming right back. You're listening to Love and Life on WURD, Progressive Black Talk Media. I think I know. Welcome back. Uh, you are tuned in to Love and Life with Carol Riddick right here on WURD. We are talking with Muhammad Abdur Rahim and with Jeff Mason. The conversation tonight is focused and centered around prostate cancer. I do want to share uh, just a few comments that were made by some of our family members. Ms. Viola, she shares her cancer came from stress. 
She mm-hmm. has maintained that. She shared that with us a while ago. And Malcolm shares the same here. But he does share that uh, so far they caught his early. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. Uh, Miss Rosalind, our beloved Miss Rosalind and our beloved Joanne, I want you to know that I saw your comments as well. And uh, family, please keep their health in your prayers, their health and well-being. Well, we should all be praying for each other. Yes. Which, uh, we're going to add a special prayer for your health and well-being to the conversation. Um, Jeff has shared that he wants to talk a little more about stress. Um we can't stress how much stress contributes in a negative way to our well-being. But uh, Jeff, go right ahead. Yeah, thanks, Carol. Um, you know, uh, when you think of police work, uh, you think of uh, just fighting crime 24-7. And actually, years of it going from zero to 100. Could you imagine just riding in the car? Then all of a sudden you see a crime in progress. And then all of a sudden... The stress hormones, everything just rushes into your body because you have to take action. You have to either right. save a life or prevent, you know, one from um, being taken. But anyway, um, years of that, especially working in the, in the units that Muhammad worked in, I think he had a break by working at the range and working for the mayor's detail. But mayor's detail is a pretty uh, special yeah. job as well because you're always on guard, right? But you know, I work narcotics. I work undercover and uniform narcotics. And um, imagine just, you know, buying drugs and having guns pulled in your face. And, you know, um, most drug dealers and or uh, people that uh, involved are involved in the drug game mm-hmm. are armed, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or they have needles on them. You know, sure. so you have to worry about that, you know, being stuck by a needle or being you know, injured. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, one shooting I had uh, involved when I was in narcotics, uh, it was in North Philadelphia off of 22nd and Cecil B. Moore. And mm-hmm. uh, it was deemed an accidental discharge, but uh, there was a um, person that uh, I pursued and um, while frisking him against the wall, he turned around and he grabs my gun. Oh, wow. So, you know, it, oh. it, it Discharged, you know, he got shot, but um, it was deemed an accidental discharge. But, uh, you know, something like that, you never forget, you know. Yeah, of course, you don't. It could have been you or him. Um, and then, Highway Patrol, of course, you know, we uh had a dual assignment, we had motor enforcement, and we also had tactical enforcement. If you ever noticed the boot cops, how they would come into the high crime areas of the city mm-hmm. and um. Yes, ma'am. No, I'm. I just thought of something as you, you know, you're talking about stress, and I'm sorry to have interjected, but I'm, I'm thinking, I'm. We're talking to the two of you who yes. have a history in law enforcement, and I'm curious to know if the majority of the men that you both know, outside of those to whom with whom you're related, were they too? Well, those that have prostate cancer, were they too in law enforcement or in high stress level fields? I know a lot of people um, that were in law enforcement that had prostate cancer. Oh, wow. A lot of people, you know, some uh, who have had the surgery as Muhammad has had, and some um, are not here anymore, you know, because they didn't catch it in time, you know. So right. stress is a very key component, you know, that we really have to mind. There are some good stresses, 
there's some bad stresses where mm-hmm, it's not control mm-hmm. or if it's not alleviated through physical fitness, you know, which I'm a proponent of, and diet, you know, and rest, mm-hmm. proper rest, you know. We had the worst schedule in the history of man yeah. in, in law enforcement because uh, we would work a rotating shift against the clock. Yeah. Yes, I know. I don't know how y'all, I don't know how, how, just how. I don't know how. It would be last out, which is 12 right. to 8, then day work, mm-hmm. and then 4 to 12. You know, so it's against the clock, and you're going mm-hmm. against your circadian rhythms, you know, your sleep pattern, you know, and do you really get enough rest? They would change. Mm-hmm. I forgot how often they changed, Muhammad. Was it every two weeks or something like that? Every yeah, something, yeah, something like that, Jeff, to every two yeah. weeks, I think. Yeah, that but, never made sense. I mean, I, I'm sure there are yeah, reasons, but that never made sense to me because your body never had the opportunity to get into a rhythm where you were allowed to really, really, really rest well. That's correct. If, that's correct. So that that no. I didn't understand. Well, I, I do want to because we have so little time left. Okay. And Jeff, I'm so sorry, but mm-hmm. I, I really want to... Um, I want to find out. So did you mention, Muhammad, you had surgery? Yes. What type of surgery did you have? They removed the prostate. And one okay. of the things I want, I want to share, because it's something that men, if they wind up having, uh, deciding to get the prostate taken out, this is things that they need to know. One is they'll cut your bladder neck, they'll cut your vest different and your bladder neck. And after they do the operation, they'll give you a catheter. For about a week. When they take that catheter out, you cannot control your urine. Your urine will fall to the floor. So what happens is it's a natural process where you have to wear the pins. It's the natural. I'm just telling all the men, mm-hmm. don't let it hit you in, in the psyche. It's only a, a process that will be temporary. And you mm-hmm. know, Carol, women, when they have children, they tell you Kegel exercises. Mm-hmm. So for the men, they tell you when you go to urinate, after you have this operation, you have to build up your sphincter muscle. The sphincter muscle means it opens up the hose to let the urine come out and then mm-hmm. you close it. So a man would he's going to the bathroom, he would tighten up his butt cheeks, it would cut the urine flow and then he would relax and the urine come out and then he tighten up. So he, he's doing Kegel exercises so it's strengthening it up because what happens is after the surgery, you don't want to have incontinence. Mm-hmm. Incontinence means, and you, it might be after you have a little laugh and you get a little trickle, but the pad protects you from having urine, whatever case may be. But the thing is, you have to, this doctor here, Dr. Patrick Waltz, is one of the best in the world. And from John Hopkins, what he did was he studied thousands of operations. He operated on kings all over the people, all over the world. One of them, I tried to go to him, but I couldn't wait for three or four weeks to get to him. So anyway, uh, he studied his hand motions and thousands of operations. How can I save the male's nerve endings so a man can have a natural response, you know, have a, have a national, or natu- or natural reaction? I mean, uh, erection, uh, uh-huh. able to perform because, and even a sad thing, Carol, many women, wives leave their husbands when they, when they have operation. And so I, I really, I mean, I understand how important sex is in relationship. I understand that. But would you want to rather have your husband or your significant other alive to be, you mm-hmm. know, and you can father your children, whatever case may be, rather, there's other things that, 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 that you can do to stimulate so far as having a relationship. Not everything's not about sex, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I, I'm sharing this because it's a point. I mm-hmm. found this, I'm, I'm sharing this because it's a point. But men don't talk about this. I'm telling you straight up truth. Mm-hmm. When men think that after the operation, 
they'll never be able to have an orgasm. Yes, you will, because it's mental. Instead of physical, like usually you're, you're visual, you see something, you might get excited, case may be. Normally, so now it's, it's a physical thing, and you have the same reaction, the same the same thing that happens when you normally have sex, except nothing comes out. It's dry. It's, it's the same reaction. So I'm okay. saying this to all men so they know, and I'm saying it to the women in their lives who know. So don't punish the man because he's trying to save his life. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And and also, too, when a man has the operation, his testosterone levels will go down. So it means he won't have a strong sex drive. Mm-hmm. These are things. But the thing I want to say to I say one thing to you, this book here by Dr. Patrick Walsh. Women survive how's a guy to survive in prostate cancer. 20 hours now for 20 hours now from Amazon. Women, you want to get this book for your for your your men in your family that you love. Men you want to get it. Pastors will help somebody in your life. And that's one thing. Last thing is that um I worked for two supervisors. One was the chief inspector at Homeland Security Homeland Security Counterterrorism. Well, I, I want to ask you a question about something that you just shared. Okay. The okay. Uh, the experience that you shared is that was that your experience or is that typical of men who um who after 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 the procedure? Or yeah, is that men, like, men not going to talk about it? They they're not going to share. I'm I'm, just, I'm straight up. Some, you got to know this stuff. You know what I'm saying? And nobody's going to share. And as it pertains happens. to their orgasms as well, as it pertains yeah, to their yeah, orgasms yeah, yeah. as well. You'll still, you'll still have okay. you'll still you'll still can reach orgasm. Except it'll be a it'll. Because it's mental, you'll get that same feeling mm-hmm. that you had before, before you had mm-hmm. the operation, except it will be dry. That's the only difference. Mm-hmm. It's because it's mm-hmm. mental. Orgasm is mental. Yeah. And I, I mental. get that. I, I have that understanding. I wanted to be make sure, just in case some of I'm our, talking to the, I'm talking to the our male family members. Yeah. Just in case some of our male family members said, well, is he speaking about his experience or is that, you know, typical? This is is typical. that what typically this, this, happens? This, this, this is what happens. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. where it depends, temp- where it depends, I'm giving you, I'm giving temporarily. you, I'm, I'm getting temporarily, but men get stuck and they go to a mental depression because I got to wear it depends. No, you do a exercise, you're going to be okay. So last, so last thing is that I worked with a chief inspector for Homeland Security Counterterrorism. He was Caucasian, he passed, and I worked for Afro-American chief in Homeland Security Care and and he passed, and uh, and another person I worked in marriage to tell wind up having prostate cancer. But I've got to tell you, too, when I left, when I, what I do now, too, Carol, is that after I retired for like five years, I could do anything, I started doing like, uh, I started doing uh, home secure, I'm, I'm sorry, nurse escorts for healthcare workers to go into bad areas of home to treat people to go to bad areas. So it was a group of us who are who are former law enforcement officers who are hired to go inside and protect them. And also, too, I do a couple uh-huh. of security things. And also, I've got to tell you, when uh, Jeff Brown was running as a mayoral candidate, I was in security from November to he lost in the primary. So I, did, I was with him every day. So he's an amazing, amazing human being. So I want to mention that, too. Thank you for sharing that. I, I want to know what the two of you do now uh, as a, a stress reliever. How, how do you manage your stress. Now, before you answer that question, though, I do want to share that Cheryl, our, one of our beloveds, Cheryl Hicks Lucas, that is, she shares, thank you for broaching this issue. I lost my brother because of prostate cancer. My cousin had it and beat it. Tried to help my brother and my brother did not listen. My brother's last words were, I wish I would have listened. My brother was also a retired homicide lieutenant. Well, I, oh, oh, my goodness. I probably know him. You know, Jeff I know. probably know him. Yeah, Hicks. he probably was the same. Jeff, remember the guy that 
15, yeah. 20 years with the cowboy hats. Yeah. He was a, hunt, a big time mm-hmm. hunter. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. And I do want to share that, uh, family, for those of you who are joining us on our socials, um, I was asked for the name of the book. The book is titled The Guide to Surviving Prostate Cancer. And the, the author is Patrick Walsh. Was that, was that incorrect? Yeah. Dr. Patrick Walsh, Guide to Surviving Prostate Cancer. But it's not just about cancer. It's about the prostate gland that educates mm-hmm. men and women and their families about what that is. And that's it should right. be in everybody's home. Well, I wanted to make sure that yep. I had the title of the book correct. So family, for those of you who are joining us on our socials and those of you who are listening who want to say, you know, look, let me look on the socials so I can see the name, this title of the book. The title is The Guide to Surviving Prostate Cancer. And the author is Dr. Patrick Walsh. I did put that in uh, in the chat. For those of you who are joining on my actual, well, I have two pages, but you'll see it on one of them. You'll see it. <laughs> uh, so I... F- Fellas, <laughs> there is so much information that you two have been sharing with us tonight. I, you know, I, I can't thank you enough, quite honestly, for your honesty, for your transparency, for your vulnerability and for sharing. We're, we're not going anywhere just yet. We're going to a commercial break in a moment. But I just wanted to get this out because I think that it's such an important conversation. It's such an important conversation. And um, it just uh, everything that you've been sharing tonight, it it's hitting me hard. So I know that it's hitting a lot of our family members hard. I'm, I'm curious to know, Muhammad, you shared with us uh, that your numbers, when you, your numbers had tripled. And in what amount of time had your numbers tripled be, between the uh, time that they were normal? I remember, and- I remember I was going for six months and then I got cocky how men get. They say, I'm okay, I ain't got to go back. We all do that. And then I didn't go for 12 months and then I went back for 12 months. It went from 0.4 to 1.2. But my doc, my urologist could have said, Muhammad, you're good, see you next year. But then he said, let me get a biopsy. We gave me a biopsy. It came back prostate cancer. And then, and then. Oh, even, they, wait, wait, wait. It, you, what was your, what was your elevated number? You said 1.2. 1.2, which is way so that's the way was, Right. So let right. me tell you, Carol, let me tell you this is very important. In Dr. Pat Walter's book, he wrote in 2001, he said 15% of the men who have normal PSA levels will have prostate cancer. Because what happens is when men have enlargement inflammation, they give them things to shrink the prostate. They give them things to give them to, to get rid of the inflammation, and it doesn't work. And then they do surgery. And then in 15% of these men, they find they have prostate cancer. So he wrote so, the book in 2001. I was diagnosed well, in 2005. That's my story. Well, what was it that prompted your doctor that, that said that he's, you know, that made him um, urge you to have a biopsy? Only God. Only mm. God, Carol. That's the mercy of the creator. Mm. The mercy. Because any other doctor wouldn't have done that. Right. They because said, you, your they, number was not within. It, yeah, it, yeah, it wasn't four. And, yeah, and remember now, it was 1.2. Had he right. said, go back, come back next year. When I finally operated on me, I was already stage two cancer then. Mm-hmm. So this, oh. this is why I'm, I, for men, they need, to be, they need to write that up. They need to get a baseline. And watch that number. Don't no longer go to a neurologist and they say, you're good. Come and see you next year. Don't do that. Document everything about your health. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So it's 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 important to, to to. Oh, my goodness. To investigate, even if your number moves just a little. Oh, one last thing, Carol. I forgot about this. Mm-hmm. If you ride a bike the day before you take a PSA, the level is going to be high. If you have a relationship the day before you get a PSA, levels will be high. You mean if you have sex? If you have yes. sex the day before you okay. Yes. So if you have your if you have sex be the day before you take your you PSA, take your PSA test, yes. and if you ride a bicycle. Yeah, it'll be high. 
Okay, I want to talk about that after this commercial break. Family, stay with us because I want to know the answer to that question. We'll be right back. You're listening to Love and Life with Carol Riddick on WURD, Progressive Black Talk Media. Welcome back, family. You are tuned in to Love and Life with Carol Riddick right here on WURD. In this remaining time, um, First of all, there's I had a question before we went to commercial break. So in this remaining amount of time, uh, I want to know first, for starters, why, why is it that having sex and or riding a bicycle, specifically those two things um, that will elevate your PSA numbers? I'm, I'm not a doctor. I have no idea. I'm just giving hmm. information out. I'm just giving information out from, from the research that I've done. It's in the book. I mean, you, that's, so you can do your own research, but this is what it, it does. It tell, you, you learn this stuff. So I'm just sharing. Well, I'm sharing this caring. So I'm sharing what I've learned. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. no one, no one told me these things. I did my research, and men don't talk about none of this stuff. So right. they need to understand this, and the women who love to need to understand too, because they they put a lot of pressure on the men, and a lot of men don't want to get treated because of that, because of the, the situation about the sexual relationship, and a lot sure. of men in the past. Men of color have died because they rather have a sexual relationship and they know that the prostate cancer feeds off of the sex hormone testosterone. Right. So now what you said, it was in this book that you read that information, was it? Or it was it I, elsewhere? I, I, I researched it and I think it's also in the book too. Because I, I haven't read this book in a while. I mean, this is since 2005, Carol. You know sure, what I'm saying? Sure, so it's sure. just like the top of my head. This is like, I, I just, I know all this stuff from the top of my head because I experienced it. You know what I mean? So I'm just saying your numbers will be high. Man, numbers will be high. The relationship the day before he goes a PSA. If he rides a bike, it will be high. Mm, mm, so these mm. are things. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. So like I said, I, sure. I don't know. I'm right. just, no, I'm no, no, no. I'm, I'm grateful for you sharing everything yeah. that you're, you've shared with us tonight. Jeff, I don't know that I ask you outside of you sharing with us that uh, you could identify with the the symptom that Muhammad shared with us about the frequent urination. Did you have other symptoms? Well, that's a main one because as we, as men get older, (laughs) our prostate enlarges. It's called HBP, um, hyper something prostate. But, um, you know, that right there, like he was saying it, because your prostate goes around your, 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 um, and your urethra, and it it, it kind of kinks, it puts a kink in your your flow. Okay. So when you think you're urinating and emptying your bladder, you're not. You're just letting out a portion of what's in your bladder. You're not getting mm-hmm. a full release of urine. So, you know, with that growth of your prostate, the urologist will give you something to help shrink it and help, and also something to help decrease the urination. But still. You have to keep an eye on your prostate because, and that's why I got the biopsy. You know, I was stage okay. one cancer. Wow. And, wow. You know, um, you know, um, but when I went back to get my recheck PSA, you know, mm-hmm. because of, uh, things that I incorporated, which is physical fitness, release of stress. And you were, you were asking what things do I continue to do today? Mm-hmm. Travel. I go to jazz concerts. I live like my best life, you know, because yeah. I'm not um, bound to the patrol car mm-hmm. or responding to people 
or help or anything like that. You know, so being on the civilian side of law enforcement, you know, it's a lot better, you know. Um, but, um, yeah, I live life, you know. Um, being married helps as well. You know, it could also raise your stress level. You pay more attention. <laughs> at least if you're in. But, you know, for the most part, it, it suits me well, especially at this stage Good. of life. You know, I'm Good. being Good. You know, so, but as far as um, having someone, you know, in your support, System mm-hmm. to care about you and to go through this this journey with you is a blessing, you know. Yeah. And um, it also is a blessing, and it's, it's it's in the Bible that you know when men can get together and talk, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a blessing. You know, I'm grateful for guys like Muhammad uh, and other other males who share their experiences with their journeys and what to mm-hmm. do and what not to do. Because, you know, we really don't do that often enough, you know, and sure. that's where we lose a lot of good brothers, you know. Sure. Um, but as far as um, this situation is a very serious situation that needs to have light shed on it. I'm glad Muhammad did it for me and I, in turn, did it for others, you know, um, because I think it's very important, you know, that we uh, pass this information on to uh, our brothers. Absolutely. And it's not just black men, it's all men. All people. men, all men, mm-hmm. all brothers, all from one, one family. Right. Black uh-huh. and white brothers, you know. Yep. So it's, you know, it's just um, something that we all should be aware of and cognizant yes. of. Like, I mean, like you both said, we need, we are, you're women. We need to know too. Yes. Yep. We need yep. to know. We absolutely need to know. I, and I say it all the time, communication is key. You absolutely. know, I'm, I'm, I am a firm believer that just something from everybody's story can help someone else. Um, I want to ask you individually what you will share with us before we close tonight. I would say, if Muhammad will allow me, for men, know your numbers. Mm. You know, know it. I can't stress that enough. Know your numbers. Get checked out uh, biannually every six months. Mm. You know, uh, once you get your numbers, see, you need a gauge to go by. You can't just go by how you feel. Because your right, body right. will lie to you. And your body is amazing because it adjusts to whatever condition it, it's in. It will find a way to make you feel good in spite of. Once you start feeling bad, mm-hmm. it's kind of, you know, late mm-hmm. in, in the process. So I think um, once you go to the doctor, it's like checking the air in your tires, like checking the oil in your car. You mm-hmm. know, you want to know exactly what's going on inside within within you. So, you know, that's one thing that I would, as a takeaway for the, yes. the audience, um, know your You're, numbers. Know and your numbers. Ladies of those men, make sure you get on those men mm-hmm. to find out what their numbers are. Mm-hmm. You know, women, right. women. Well, we're your supporters. We are. Right. Muhammad, what will you leave with us? I think Jeff said it all, but you're saying, you know, uh, get your PSA blood test and uh, brothers, don't be afraid of digital rectal exam. That This examination along with the PSA can help save your life. Mm-hmm. And I've watched my uncles die terrible, painful deaths. If only they had the knowledge that if someone had shared with them early on in life, they could check. And I know that it took a long time for my brother and my 
my last surviving uncle to get checked, even after all the circumstances, even about me. I used to get on them. It took them a while. So that's what I want to leave you with. And Carol, what I do too, and to keep busy, stress you asked me was, I, I train people in gun safety and firearms. That's, that's what I do. And that gives me peace and it gives me, uh, it's very relaxing for me. Wait, where do you, in Philadelphia? Yeah, yeah. yeah where you where do you, you do that? You, you mentioned my name. Anybody who knows me knows what I do. They come from, from my experience. I go to any, I, I go to gun ranges all the way. I go to, I go to one in Yaden, GPS gun okay. range. But okay. I train people personally. Uh, personally, I train them. Uh, and okay. um, I'll send you information. To, I'll send my information to yeah. you. you oh, I want to yeah. say just one last thing. One last thing. It's mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. Is that I want to say to anyone out there, I'm going to leave something. I've always been this way. I'm leaving my phone number. If anyone that you know that has a problem with their prostate or prostate, hunting prostate cancer, I'm a support system. My number is 215-778-3913. Feel free. My phone is on 24 hours a day because you never know what someone's going through. And I'm there for I'm support system. It's very crucial. Did I'm there for I want to make sure our fellas, I'm sorry, Muhammad, I did not mean to cut you That's off. That's okay. It's okay. Not yeah. intentionally. I want to make sure fellas, Muhammad shared that um, you have a support system and he wants you to know that and that you can call him. You can reach out to him at 215-778-3913. Yep. Okay. Because without them say anything, they'll ask you questions privately. They don't want to, they don't want to talk. You know, publicly, so they'll call him. I'll discuss it with him privately. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I can't. Let me tell you, on behalf of everybody, everybody, just I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to the both of you so thank much. You, thank you, Muhammad, for you, making the, yeah. for planting the seed, making the initial contact, and and uh, and for following through to the for the both of you for following through. But I mean, it, it means so much to me that you two. Um, we're so transparent tonight because, you know, you both of you shared things that I never would have been able to share. And yes, you, know, you could. Yes, you could. You're from South Philly. SPZ. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. But I know, I mean, I, I'm telling you, I mean it with every fiber of my being. I say it all the time. I love you, Black man. I do. Yeah. And I, I, I so, so, so appreciate the two of you coming to share with us, you know, your, your experiences, your knowledge and and whether you even realize it or not. This is support on a whole nother level when you share. You know that, right? Say this. I go go to you're my favorite singer. Carol. Go Thank you. The last show we did, I talk. You are (laughs) amazing. I appreciate you. you. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Thank you both. Thank you, family. Oh, heavens to Mercatroy. Family, just praising God from whom all blessings flow. Yeah. Uh, as we wrap tonight's episode, just thank you, family, for your continued support of love and life. Thank you to our guests for sharing their time, their energy, their attention, your information, your spirit and your space with all of us. It is so, so appreciated. And we look forward to you coming back so we can continue the conversation because this is a conversation that needs to continue. We need to look out for one another. Y'all know I say it all the time. We need to look out for one another. Um, Thank you to each and every one of you that contributed to the conversations as well. So thank you. Special thanks to the entire 
W-U-R-D family, especially Niall and Nick for all that you do. You know, I couldn't do it without you. Happy birthday once again to all of our love bugs. Um, family, it's coming. You know, I'm going to say it because I tell you all the time and because I mean it. We are all in this together. So be good to you, but please be good to those Thank around you. you. Yes. Please, please remember that I love you, but God loves you so much more. Have a great rest of your night and a great, uh, a, a great evening. <laughs> and be sure to join me Monday through Thursday, 7 till 9 p.m. Eastern time for another edition of Love and Life right here on WURD. Progressive Black. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com.